because I forget how many months ago it's been now that I did the first test. You were so excited. I remember you're like, I can't wait. I think I'm going to get my test results. Well, it had just been so long (laughs) that I'd been so tired of going to my gynecologist and going to my doctor and getting the same answers when I knew like intuitively that the medicine wasn't my answer. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is Nina's favorite day. Yay. It's the day that Liz says all of like four words in the interview because- You said more than four I said like 10 maybe because this is your (laughs) moment, boo. This is your topic. Thank you. Nina, For ever since we've been doing this, Nina's on the hormone train, Mm -hmm. always talking about what could- you know, be before she had a hormone test, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. talking about what could be causing things, you know, facing doctors that were telling her to either get on anti-anxiety medicines or birth control to help with some of these issues that are really hormone related. So it's been a, a long journey for Nita to finally get episode yes. 41. Getting to talk <laughs> to the expert, Candace Birch. <laughs> it was really, I'm really excited about this episode, obviously, but just a little background. We were listening to, or I was listening to the Almost 30 podcast and she was on their podcast as well. So take a listen. But basically when you find out that all of the symptoms you're having are not quote unquote normal, as in like cramps are not normal. Like acne on your chin is not normal. Women that are going through menopause, if you're having all of these hot flushes and mood swings or Anyone really, if you can't sleep, if you are always stressed and have anxiety, like so many things, appetite, you're craving sugar, all of these things, they're hormone related. It's not your willpower. It's not that you're crazy. It's not that you have, you know, just horrible genetics. It's that your body is out of balance and it needs lifestyle, nutrition, and in some cases, supplements or natural hormone replacements that help put your body back in balance. And I just think it's fascinating. And I've been working on myself for a while. And Candice, um, who's on the show today, just gives so much insight. It was so educational. I seriously, I'm sitting here the whole time, like not speaking because I was just so fascinated behind the science of yeah. everything. I'm not like a science person, but when someone explains it in a way that is A, relevant to me and mm-hmm. B, makes sense in a way that she explains it, I was just like captivated. Yeah, it's funny because I'm not a science person either, but I will read books about hormone balance all day long and blood sugar stability and like all of these things. So today in our interview, we are talking to Candice Birch, who is a hormone health educator. Um, she's a journalist. She's a advocate for women's health. And what's really cool about Candace is that she is, she's gone through her own journey. So from injuring her knee and turning to a holistic lifestyle to going through menopause herself um, and dealing with all of these issues, she's really become, she's an expert in helping women and men Mm -hmm. balance their hormones in a natural way. And she does so with like such an easy air about it. She makes it very comfortable and accessible for all. And I really feel passionate that this is a topic that needs to not be hidden anymore. I think for some reason, we kind of shuffle a lot of this under the rug. Well, no one really wants to say, first of all, I feel like we don't have a concept of what's normal and what's not normal. Like, is my period heavier than normal? Like, no, that's not something you want to ask anyone who's not like your closest friend. Yeah. So, I mean, and no one wants to be perceived as whining, like, I'm tired all the time. I don't feel good. I'm anxious. Like, those are things that we keep to ourselves because we just— a lot of times I think women in particular don't want to bother people mm-hmm. with those or kind of symptoms. Or you feel embarrassed. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm having mood swings. Like what's wrong with me? Or I have low libido. What's wrong with me? Right. Very private things that yeah. we don't want to talk about. And I mean, we get a little unprivate in this conversation. <laughs> like it's just what happens in this conversation. So this is one of those topics as I go through my health coach certification this year and start working with clients here soon that I really want to focus on because I think it's, 
crucial. I think it's important. I think that it's important for us to wake up every day feeling our best. And I think a lot of people are walking around not feeling their best. You know, my favorite bit of advice she gave is that you can drink wine. Oh, she did say that. (laughs) Which I was going to drink anyway. Can we do a clink? Yay. Guys, we have wine. We do. Pinot Gris. (laughs) (laughs) That's an inside joke. Between me and Cody, if you if you watch How I Met Your Mother, Ted Mosby always says things, and he's like, oh, "I'd like a glass of Pinot Gris," and so now I just call it Pinot Gris. I like didn't know. I thought you just like decided to stop <laughs> mid, <laughs> just breathe in the words here. Pinot Gris, Pinot Gris. But no, we have some Pinot Gris. We also have Lacroix. So balance. It's like a spritzer. It is. Ooh, what if I poured it in here? Uh, it's peach pear. I'm gonna pour some of it in here. <laughs> I feel like you may have just ruined the wine. Let's try it. I'm not trying it. Just you. Let's try it. Just myself. Okay. It's actually really flipping good. Now okay. I've just added carbonation. Okay. Wine and shiners. Get some Pinot Gris. I'm trying it. Put some peach, pear, LaCroix in and enjoy your life. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> is that a good interesting or a bad It's not a bad interesting. I'm still going to drink it. I mean, we're going to keep drinking because everything in moderation, wine is good for your health. That's all we took from the episode. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but for real, guys, I hope that you guys stick around till the end of this episode because it is a really, really wonderful one. And she gives you guys a special discount on her test kits, which you can get by the end of the episode as well. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Candace Birch. Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I cannot wait to talk about literally my favorite topic, which is hormone balance. <laughs> You're more than welcome. I was hoping that you could tell our listeners a little bit about what got you into hormone health education and what was your background that led you into this field? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a long story, so I'll try to cut to the chase. But basically, I was, you know, in my younger years, in my 20s, I was a big skier. I lived in Aspen, Colorado. I, I, went, to, I went to college in Boulder, and kind of when I finished college, went up to Aspen to be sort of a ski bum. I don't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> but I was just kind of hanging out, being athletic, and skiing every day. And somewhere in there, I really hurt my knee really badly and, you know, fell real badly, wrenched my knee and got into this horrible cycle of being put on anti-inflammatory drugs and having Mm -hmm. cortisone shot into my knee every week. And it was just horrendous. So I decided that I wasn't going to continue doing that. And I fell in with a bunch of people that were really very focused on health and and right I remember reading a book called um, something about biological medicine by Pavo Arola and feeling like I could cure this naturally so I went on a juice fast for 17 days or 19 days and just stopped eating sugars and you know anything that was like caffeine anything that wasn't obviously healthy and stopped all the drugs, the medications, the anti-inflammatory medications, just started following an anti-inflammatory diet, which in those days wasn't as well known, but that's basically what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I really got to a place where I was much better and I was Mm -hmm. able to ski and not be in such pain. And um, I decided that I would like to become a health educator and get into the field and help people learn how to stay healthy and, you know, get off all kinds of meds and just, you know, be be a healthy person naturally. So I went to uh, back to college, got a graduate degree um, as a health educator and did that for many years, moved to England with my husband, had my children there and worked in publishing, in health publishing. So I did a lot of writing and everything to do with, you know, health maintenance, disease prevention, And um, when I went into menopause, which is another part of the story, at about 48, I decided I wanted to focus on hormone balance. I I found out that there was such a thing as hormone imbalance and that the flip side of that was hormone balance. And since I was a screaming Mimi and scaring my kids... Um, I decided I needed to do something. So I, that's how I got focused on, on the hormone piece. 
because I myself went into these like sort of hot flashes every mm. 20 minutes and a mood a mood swing in between. So that was yeah. the beginning of this particular specialty that I have now. It's really interesting because I feel like a lot of people's stories are so similar when it comes to getting into the health scene is you have gone through something very specific yourself and you realized that you were able to cure yourself or help yourself feel better through food, diet, lifestyle, and a lot of medications you could kick to the curb. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's this whole world of things that people are just not aware about. And now you need to share it. I know. I mean, that's what, how I feel. That's the same story I've gone through. And I feel like it's almost every guest's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just, it is, it's a personal experience. You sort of get on a crusade because, you know, the next person you meet, especially if you're living in a ski area, every other person has a knee injury or some kind of injury and they're on all these drugs. And and actually what happened was I, I ended up starting this little group in Aspen called AHA, which stood for Aspen Holistic Health Association. Mm. And we would we would um, invite people, you know, there were all kinds of people coming through town that were, you know, into all kinds of alternative medicine and health. And so I really got, really got into it. And and then, you know, a few years later, I decided I'd been having way too much fun and I decided to get serious and get that graduate degree. <laughs> yeah. So oh gosh, that's awesome. But, you know, have been on the soapbox ever since, for sure. <laughs> so for some of our listeners that may be around the age when you first had your skiing accident, like 20s, 30s, what are some symptoms of early hormone imbalance in younger people? Well, you know, interestingly, I, um, I'm talking to a lot of younger women lately, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm amazed. You know, I've always said in my lectures, I always do say hormone imbalance is not just reserved for menopausal women. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I got into it, but it's definitely hormone imbalance can happen at any age. So when you're young in your twenties, that period is called the pre-menopause. Mm-hmm. So basically twenties to thirties, you should be having normal periods and you should be ovulating every cycle and, um, you know, bounding out of bed in the morning and having lots of energy and high sex drive and lots of energy for exercise and feeling the zest of life. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of gals are, um, you know, experiencing the reverse. They're having heavy, horrible periods or no periods at all, especially if they're on birth control, um, which I have to say is... Uh, a vexed issue since birth control disrupts ovulation, it's mm-hmm. messing with natural hormone balance. So mm-hmm. that's another topic we can talk about. But I'd say heavy periods and cramping, you know, being disabled by your periods is a clear hallmark sign of hormone imbalance, as is things like really bad PMS, like pass me the shotgun type yeah. of PMS, um, water retention and bloating where you're putting on weight even, you know, five to seven pounds right before your period, um, that sort of thing, that, that sort of, and, and anxiety, lots of anxiety and not sleeping. Mm-hmm. These sorts of things can be very common in the 20s and 30s. And then when women get into perimenopause, which is really supposed to happen around your mid-40s, uh, hormones start to fluctuate like a roller coaster because that's the lead up to menopause. That can take eight to 10 years. And in that time period, hormones start to fluctuate as ovarian production of hormones starts to wane, and then you get symptoms up and down and crazy-making. And we're finding that women, uh, that should really start in the mid-40s when you're, you know, 40-something, but it's happening earlier and earlier because so many people are stressed and Mm -hmm. running around like crazy people, not getting enough sleep and being way too stressed too much going on, and um, it's starting earlier and earlier. So this is an issue with much younger women. So when you are having these symptoms, so for example, like I know I've put my story on my blog and things like that, 
But even three years ago, it started for me as like extreme fatigue and anxiety that I had never experienced before. Like those were the two symptoms that stopped me in my tracks. And I, it like made me have to figure out what was going on because even before those symptoms, I wasn't having regular periods. I like, I remember like not even knowing when they would come. I was just like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I just don't have periods. I didn't think it was a big deal for some reason. But then like these other symptoms started happening. And that's when like my body was finally like, yeah, something's wrong. And you're going to listen to us. I'm wondering, is that what you're seeing a lot with younger women is that they don't even really know, or they can't see the signs of hormone imbalance until it's too late, not too late, but until it's like, okay, now you're really going to sit down and listen and figure out what's going on with your body. You know, it's too, I'd say it's twofold. It's that that you just described where people have extreme symptoms and they're thinking, why am I tired all the time? Mm-hmm. I can't get out of bed in the morning. Just having this dread of getting into work and performing, not feeling like they're on top of their game, feeling foggy and fuzzy and exhausted by the end yeah. of the day. Not to mention a lot of gals are newly married. You know, young women are newly married and have no libido, just Mm -hmm. no libido. And then the other side is young women who are really, you know, sort of into let's listen to my body. I do have some symptoms, nothing extreme, but I want to get a handle on how I'm feeling now, you know, just learn more about what, how my body works and how hormones work and how I can just be even healthier and stay healthy, you know, long-term. So I think people are picking up on, you know, how do I age well Mm -hmm. as I get older? And it sounds funny, but gals in their 30s feel old. I remember when I was 29, feeling like, oh, my God, you know, this is the worst thing that I was going to turn 30. I was 100 years old. (laughs) We're 28, (laughs) approaching 29. Liz, you're going to be 29 next (laughs) month, right? Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're approaching the thirties and you would think, I mean, I was just, I complain all the time. I have really bad acne around my chin and my jawline still, which I know is hormone related. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. seeing my naturopathic doctor tomorrow. I have an appointment at 12 and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the symptoms I've still been dealing with, but yeah, it's just like, I'm almost 30. Like I shouldn't be having these issues, right? (laughs) Well, you, you you know, it would be ideally very nice if people were able to, um, you know, it all comes down to ovulation. Mm. So really, if, you know, you can have your period and not ovulate that cycle. And when we don't ovulate, a little bit of physiology here, the body um, does not make the other hormone, the other two female hormones that are major in controlling the menstrual cycle, the female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And those two, the first half of the cycle is controlled by estrogen, which is a growth hormone that is growing cells. It's growing the egg and the follicle within the ovary. It's growing the blood-rich lining of the uterus. And in case you do get pregnant, you need a nice blood-rich lining for that embryo to implant. And that whole thing goes on the first half of the cycle, and then you're supposed to ovulate. And when you ovulate, the follicle that that egg pops out of, and, you know, the egg pops out, it goes on down the follicle, the uh, fallopian tube in search of the friendly sperm. (laughs) And then in the meantime, that little ruptured follicle actually becomes a whole new organ. It's a very magical thing. Every Mm -hmm. cycle becomes the corpus luteum, which does nothing but make progesterone the whole half, the second half of the cycle. And progesterone Mm -hmm. says the estrogen hey, I'm your balancer, and Mm -hmm. you've done your job. You've grown the egg. You've thickened the lining, and now we need to stop and let me do my job, which is to start making the uterine lining inhabitable for a fertilized egg. And so so what's supposed to happen is that estrogen drops, and you you stop, you know, all this growth. And then if there is no pregnancy, progesterone and estrogen drop both, but progesterone very significantly and then the, sh- the which signals that the lining of the uterus will be shed and that's your your period that mm-hmm. if we don't ovulate that cycle and many people don't ovulate for all kinds of reasons which we can get into but you do not produce 
that corpus luteum that makes that progesterone. Therefore, estrogen can keep on growing and growing that Mm. tissue and that lining. So you start to see people having really heavy periods because that blood-rich lining, or you might have fibroids, uterine fibroids, anything to do with growth, endometriosis, where Mm. people have painful, horrible periods. Mm. The lining of their uterus is so blood-rich and thick that that that, um, lining can actually sometimes migrate out and into the pelvic area, and Mm. period, it swells with blood. It can be, you know, you've met gals that have these problems. So it's the lack of ovulation that is a real is a real issue because if progesterone isn't produced, then all it's 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 a great balancer of all the hormones in the body. So you start to have imbalances of other hormones like mm-hmm. testosterone or estrogen. Estrogen can become dominant. There are so many different. It's like a seesaw. All these hormones work together. Like um, the best example is that they always use the, the orchestra where every Every instrument has to be playing in tune, yeah. and if one is out of tune, then the whole thing is is off, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like that with hormones, and you know, of course, we're not going to have perfect balance all the time. But if you are somebody who does things, you know, has a lifestyle that is constantly disrupting your hormone cycle, then you're going to get these these symptoms. Now, how do you know whether or not you are ovulating? Is there a way to know that or if that's something that you need to I be checking into? I can sometimes feel if I'm ovulating. I'll feel like a, um, like a, like a pain, a dull pain in mm-hmm. one of my sides. Hmm. But you're so into mm-hmm. with your body. I have no idea what's going on like 90% of the time. I also sometimes yeah. feel a mood change. That's, those are the two ways I know specifically. I actually get a weird surge of energy where I'm like, life is perfect and great. And then I don't know. I've just kind of noticed that about myself. I don't know if that's normal or not. Well, it's a good question. And, you know, there are all kinds of, a lot of people know, they feel it, and other people don't know. Um, there are ways to, you know, test your mucus on certain days. It's usually around days 12 to 14 of your cycle, counting the first day of your period as day one, that you should ovulate. But not everybody knows that they have ovulated. And, and even sometimes when we do ovulate, we may not make sufficient amounts of progesterone to keep the whole cycle in balance. Hmm. So um, that's, yeah, it's hard. But what's easier to know about are the things that actually disrupt ovulation so that we can take steps to make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're being mindful of, of those things. And that can include everything from being um, a person who engages in high-intensity exercise to the point where it's manic. You know, some of the gals mm-hmm. I've talked to are, are doing spinning five times a day. Um, that stops ovulation. You know, if you were running from a tsunami or doing extreme, anything extreme, running from the hurricane or, you know, in a, the body perceives that as a state of stress and it certainly won't allow you to ovulate under stress. So people that are high, you know, high performance, uh, athletes or that over exercise also often can disrupt ovulation. Also mm. lack of protein. So vegans who don't get the right combination of proteins may often not ovulate. People with very low body fat may not ovulate. There are those issues. And just sort of an abundance of stress that keeps your body in survival mode. So these are things to be aware of. And then, of course, there's birth control Mm -hmm. where you're not, you know, your ovulation is disrupted, which is why I like to suggest that people try to use a non-hormonal Form of birth control. I was going to say, can we talk a little bit about birth control? Because I know me and Liz have both been on the birth control train and off the birth control train like numerous times. Yeah, I can't ever decide how I feel about it. And so. I'm, I've decided the last time I've been on it has to be, oh my gosh, I don't know, like maybe four years ago. At yeah, this point, like well, two. there was a point where I tried it for a couple of months, I think a couple years ago when I was just like at my wits end. Like, I don't know why I don't feel good still. Like, maybe it's just time for me to get on birth control because I think another side, this might be another topic in itself, but when women or in my experience, when I've gone to my gynecologist or to a doctor and I say, this is how I feel and I don't know, can I get my hormones tested or what's going on? 
I always get dismissed. Like I've always been dismissed as like, well, I mean, that might be an issue, but try taking birth control or try taking anti-anxiety medicine, you know, and those seem to be my answers. And so that's why I think at one point I was like, okay, I'll try the birth control again, but it just doesn't make me feel good. So what are your, what's your stance on the whole birth control epidemic? Well, you know, I was one of the early wave, first wave of birth control users. And, you know, the whole reason I'm talking to you is because I have two daughters that are your age, millennial age, mm-hmm. one's 28 and one's uh, 31. And they're the ones that said, Mom, you need to be talking about hormones to people our age because we're having all these issues. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that, but finding that this is a really vexed question. When I first took birth control, I did nothing but cry all day long. I mean, it was just, and I and I talk to people now that say the same thing. They just mm-hmm. feel moody and tearful and bloated and, uh, you know, no libido, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, the fact that these hormones that are in the birth control pill, even though they're lower levels now than they were back when I started, are still just, you know, the very the very action in birth control is to disrupt ovulation. Mm-hmm. So, and, and ovulation is disrupted with synthetic hormones. These are chemicals that are not natural to our bodies and they have side effects. Mm-hmm. So here you are with your hormones disrupted anyway, which would give you the side effects of a low, you know, a low level of estrogen or a high level of estrogen or a low level of testosterone or a high level, all of them are going to give you symptoms. But then you put on top of that the synthetic effects of these hormones. And, you know, the whole, I'm not, I I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't want my daughters to have an unwanted pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what we have to do is start investigating the alternative to hormonal birth control. And unfortunately, you know, big pharma makes a lot of money on birth control. Yes. So it's hard to find mm-hmm. hard to find non-hormonal forms. But I've been talking to more and more women who are using the Paragard IUD, the copper IUD, mm-hmm. which just, you know, it inhibits the ability of the uh, embryo to implant, that it doesn't inhibit mm-hmm. ovulation. So it's it's not messing with hormones as much. And then there are other forms. You know, some people are using the rhythm method. Some people are using the sponge. Some people are using just right on down to condoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever. I think it's, I would like to encourage women your age to start doing their own research, to do things like the YAS, where you don't have a period ever again. And I've talked to women and say, oh, isn't that great? Isn't that the greatest thing? No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's because not normal. <laughs> yeah. It's not normal. In fact, I talked to a woman the other day who um, tested with me, and the whole reason she tested was she wanted to see what her hormones looked like under the influence of birth control. Interesting. Because she has lots of side effects, and she just feels like it's not a normal, natural thing to do, and she just wanted to kind of, you know, she's thinking, someday I want to get pregnant, and I want to have a family, and I don't want to mess up my hormones to the point where I'm going to find that it's difficult. And indeed, some women, you know, they go for 10, 12 years, like you said. Their doctor said, well, let's put you on birth control because your periods mm-hmm. are irregular. Or let's put you on birth control because your periods are heavy. Or let's put you on birth control because you've got acne. Or cramps. Or it's so, it's like Anything. endless. <laughs> endless, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's, it's just to address the world of woe. And it just creates more woe, you know, more hormonal woes. So I'm not a big fan. I think it's important to take the this information and to find a way to. I mean, well, what do you guys do? You said you're. You said you had stopped because it didn't make you feel good. So how do you? How do you? If you're not ready to have a baby right yet, I know you're newly married, aren't you, Nina? Yeah, both of us are married. I just I just use condoms at this point because I'm not ready to have a kid. And so that's what I do to protect myself. But the other thing is I am very aware of my cycle. So I think I could sometimes we do the rhythm method just because I'm very aware. But other times I get a little nervous and I'll go the other route. But I just know for me that when I'm on birth control, it just well, first of all, I'm 
I just don't agree with putting that synthetic hormones into my body because I know if you're having symptoms before birth control, it's just going to mask what is happening. And I'm not going to get to the root of the problem by covering it up. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, one of the things that birth control does, too, is that the, the synthetic estrogens in birth control actually increase a binding protein mm. called um, sex hormone binding globulin. So that's a lot. That's a mouthful, a globulin full. But it, mm. it, it's about <laughs> the way these hormones are regulated in the body is that the, there are binding proteins. So they, these proteins sort of are signaled by the brain whoops, she's got way too much estrogen, let's bind mm. it up, or too much too much testosterone. Let, that, that's kind of a feedback mechanism to keep hormone levels balanced. They are bound and they're unbound. And most hormones are, you know, are carried in the, they're carried on red blood cells. All hormones are carried on a red blood cell. They're bound to that red blood cell by a carrier protein. And it's that 2 to 4% that's always kind of becoming unbound and sent into the cells that, that need it. But if you're on a birth control pill, it tends to increase these binding proteins. And one of the mm. protein, one of the hormones that gets bound up is testosterone. So that's one of the reasons that gals on a high estrogen birth control pill, or doesn't even have to be that high, a synthetic estrogen in, in a pill can find that their, um, their, their libido is very low. Mm. And, you know, testosterone being low is, is, is not just about low libido. It's about testosterone is a building hormone, an anabolic hormone. So if you're low in it, then you can find that your muscles feel sore and achy after exercise. You don't have as much strength or stamina. Um, you know, these DHEA and testosterone are both about structure. How strong are your muscles? How, how much lean muscle mass do you have? How strong are your bones? What's your think? Your cognition can you can you process information and think clearly? Testosterone is linked to all of that stuff, even you know beyond libido. So here you're on the pill, and you may have all kinds of issues to do with low testosterone. You know that's the knock-on effects of using synthetic hormones, and this is why we talk about in hormone balancing, we talk about avoiding chemical hormones in the environment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard the term endocrine disruptors. Yes. Or xenoestrogens. You know, I'm, I'm, yep. a lot of people now know that, you know, they know to drink out of stainless steel water bottles instead of plastic. It's funny because I... I think a lot of times I'll even say this, I'll be talking to my mom or Cody and they almost think like, okay, like now you're not drinking out of plastic and now like they are like, okay, I got the soy thing, but really like plastics and chemicals in your cosmetics. And it's like, no, I mean, it, when you're having issues with your hormones, anything could be affecting it. You really want to stay away from things that could disrupt you even more. Well, yeah. And they're not just so they're, they're, they're pretty lethal. I mean, this stuff that, okay, here's a great example. The hormones that are shot up in mass-produced beef, you know, the, yeah. the, the beef industry mm -hmm. is shooting their cows up with hormones, growth hormone, which is like an estrogen, because estrogen is all about growth, multiplication, division of cells. So why are they shooting up this cattle, these cattle, to make them grow fat faster so they get more meat to the pound? Mm -hmm. And what do you think that does to us? Exactly. We're eating this stuff, and we're growing fat faster. So that's one of the major areas that just absolutely has to be avoided if you don't want to have, you know, a, a huge imbalance that's going to put you in the realm of not being able to lose weight, um, knock-on effects of thyroid, et cetera. One of the first things to do is to make sure when you go shopping that you check labels and any mm -hmm. kind of meat you buy, pork, beef, Chicken either should be, of course, with beef, it should be grass-fed and organic, but it's milk, the eggs, open the carton, it should say these animals were raised without hormones yep. or antibiotics. It's not good enough for it to say, we didn't add any hormones to this. Hmm. No, the label has to say these animals were raised without. Hmm. And that's then that's amazing. a huge, I mean, there are 11 different kinds of estrogens chemical estrogens wow. in regular milk. 
in dairy cows that are shot up. I mean, I was testing a guy who was doing everything right. He was trying so hard to get his hormones balanced. He was in his late 50s, and his estrogen kept being really high. And it turned out that he was a milk freak. He drank mm. milk all day long. His, his wife said to me, oh, he drinks, he's always drinking milk. He must drink a gallon of milk a day. Wow. And I said, really? So what kind of milk do you drink? And they had no idea. They didn't know about, you know, making sure that wow. the milk they drink said on the, our cows are raised without RBSD. That's the growth hormone that's in milk and dairy cattle. So these kind of things, you know, it's not, it, now soy, that's another thing. Soy is fine if you eat it as the Asians do. Soy actually, you know, that's the whole thing about the Japanese women don't supposedly have hot flashes as often as American women because they eat Soy, which has an estrogenic effect. So women that actually get really low in estrogen as they get older because their ovaries mm. aren't making enough will, you know, if they're eating soy like um, tamari or tofu or mm. tempeh or miso, that sort of fermented soy doesn't have the same extra super estrogenic effect as, as the kind of soy where we Americans are it's specifically over. Yeah, we put it in everything, and then yeah. we're, you know, soy chips, soy bars, soy milk, yeah. soy cereal, soy... We know we just overdo it. There's a dark side to soy, but it's not necessarily the worst thing. Yeah. But, you know, things like um, the receipts, now I think people know not, you know, we don't always take... The, people will say at Starbucks, do you want your receipt? I say no, because it's got ink in it, it's got BPA. Well, that sounds a bit precious, but <laughs> BPA is another... See, what these hormones do, they're xenohormones. Xeno means foreign, unnatural to the body. The way a, a normal hormone works, it's like a key that opens the door to a cell. So just like the key you use to open your front door or turn on the ignition in your car, is specifically made to fit that lock, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how hormones work. Well, when it's a xenohormone, a chemical hormone like BPA or, or lauryl sulfate in the shampoo, or the polycarbons that break down in your plastic water bottle, those hormones mimic natural hormone action, but to a toxic extent. So they don't go and open the door nicely with the key. They kick the door in, mm. go into the cell, and take over and start overstimulating the action of the cell. And, um, you know, they're like the guests that won't leave, the uninvited guests. But if somebody shows up at your door and takes up residence on your couch and you can't get rid of them. Yeah, like, get out of here. <laughs> get out. You're ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's why, I mean, it's not being it's not being overly cautious to try, you know, we're lucky these days. We got lots of choices yeah. in the stores that we that we frequent. We can make those better choices to get things and it extends only from hormone free eating to hormones, you know, chemicals in your, as you said, your cosmetics, mm -hmm. your cleaning, your household cleaning stuff, your the shampoo and the products you put. You know, if things are listed with a million ingredients that you can't pronounce, then best to move on and find something that is more natural. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's always been how I, when I look at ingredients, that's like my go-to test. If I can't pronounce it or figure out what it is, it's a, a pretty clear sign that it's not going to be good for my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so, so, so important. My daughter, Jess, who is a, she's an institute of, I think she has the same degree. Aren't you an IIN? Yeah, I'll be finishing in May. I know. I remember when yeah. I talked to you, I feel like we haven't even told this to our guests or the, our listeners, but I actually did a hormone test with you, which is why mm -hmm. we have you on the show. Um, so we can even get into that a little bit. But yeah, I wanted to like link up with your daughter sometime because I would love to meet. Well, she was saying her, her thing is, and it's probably the same with you, that when you eat foods that, you know, when you're looking at ingredients, don't buy anything that has more than five ingredients. Yeah. Because these things get, you know, how well can our bodies process all this? It turns into muck and mire and just, you know, some mass in our gut that we're not digesting very well. Right. It only makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. And the big word inflammation is, you know, it, everybody's using that word lately. And that has a lot to do with how we eat and combine foods. So mm -hmm. anyway, you, you're way ahead of me on that one, I'm sure. 
Well, I was going to say, I had a couple people I'll, I'll be talking to about food. And sometimes people like to say like, well, when is enough enough? Like, like you said, like now we're talking about plastics. Now we're talking about the chemicals in our cleaning products. And okay, I get that I need to eat organic. And now it's an inflammatory, anti-inflammatory foods. And it's like, well, when you really know the research behind everything, and once you start having symptoms of your own, you're going to really realize that it is time to take a step back and look at these things that you're putting into your body because it really truly only makes sense that your body can process whole and natural ingredients. Like when you're putting things that aren't those things into your body, how's it supposed to process them and what's it supposed to do with it? It just, it doesn't make sense any other way to me. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. It's your body sort of going, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Where am I supposed to do, you know, where am I supposed to put this? How am I to use this? And, you know, generally, when this takes just take sugars, high fructose corn syrups that are in everything, that turns into um, glucose that insulin has can do nothing with. Insulin is supposed to store glucose in muscle cells for energy and, mm-hmm. and in the liver for stored energy. Well, if you've got a, a glut of glucose, it's kind of like, you know, the pizza man that keeps trying to deliver the same pizza to your house. After a while, he keeps knocking on the door and you shut the door and pull down the blinds and say, I've got enough pizza. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So where does, where does all that glucose go? It turns into fat and it goes right into the belly. Yeah. I've actually been researching this recently. Mm-hmm. If you, um, Kelly Levesque's book, Body Love, is amazing. And it's all about this, about like evening your blood sugar and, you know, like, um, yeah, it's so, so interesting. And for, I mean, it's key for hormone balance. Yes, it really is. It's, you know, insulin resistance, which is linked to cortisol, can distress hormone cortisol, which we test four times. You know, you, you tested your, you, you gathered your saliva morning, noon, evening, and bedtime to see how that pattern is looking. And when that pattern is wonky and wobbly, it tells you that your blood sugar is off. And that, that is a world, of, a world of woe, again, where you get horrible sugar cravings and all kinds of adrenal uh, imbalance that can translate to asthma, allergies, being, you know, just tired all the time and gaining weight in your abdomen and horrible sugar cravings and poor sleep and all of it. It's all related. It's amazing how related it is. I just, sorry, Liz. I know I keep like interjecting. No, you're fine. I was just, I was wondering from someone that obviously has not taken a hormone test, like what are some signs, A, that you should, I mean, should anyone take one or should you like reach a certain point before you take one? And what can people expect from having that done? Okay, great question. So usually people test when they get to the point where they've just got, you know, they've been to doctors and they have issues that, are not getting better, or like um, you were saying, you know, went to the doctor, had this, had this issue, and was suggested I be put on birth control or some kind of anti-anxiety medication. You know, there are people that say to me, I'm on an antidepressant, but I'm not depressed. I don't know why I'm on this. You know, I, yeah. I, I just, uh, my life isn't depressing. I like my life. But my doctor put me on an antidepressant because my periods were irregular or because I had mood swings with my periods or I had really bad PMS. You know, so if generally people get set up with the same old answers and they start looking for, for different answers and, and a different way to go. And then they start to realize this stuff is kind of fundamental that, you know, hormones, hormones rule. They rule. We can't function without them. We have to have the right amount in the right proportions for the rest of our life. You know, women who are in menopause say to me, oh, I'm done with menopause. I'm done with all those hormones. And I'm thinking, no, you are not. (laughs) Because, you know, women are living to be, we used to live to be, what, 50 years old, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're living another third of our lives. We're living to be 85, 90. So we, so, you know, using uh, testing is not only about symptoms to answer your question, Liz, that have gotten the better of you and you feel like your symptoms are controlling your life or you're becoming your symptoms. You know, it's like, I'm tired all the time. I'm bitchy. I'm crabby. I can't stand myself. You know, this kind of thing. And you just think, but I'm always like this. I can never gain, I can never lose weight. You Mm -hmm. start to become this. And that's a good clue 
that you need to look further and get some answers, get some baseline numbers that you can take as a benchmark and then start to make some changes. And then the other reason to test is because these hormones protect us. They protect our bones and our muscles and our brain and our heart. The heart has more hormone receptors for testosterone than any any other organ in the body. So, we, you know, just an example. So, really, it's about long-term health. It's about, am I going to age well? Am I going to look good for my age? Am I going to feel good? Am I going to have strong bones and muscles? Am I, a lot of women are having kids later, you know, maybe in their late 30s, and they want to be able to keep up and, and um, you know, feel youthful and strong as their children grow older. I had my kids at 37 and 41. So, you know, I was an older mom, and I... That's why it became, apart from scaring my children with my new swings, <laughs> it also became important to stay well, to yeah. stay healthy. I want to circle back really quickly and just talk about, like, say there are some ladies that are listening to the show right now and they are on birth, birth control. And they're thinking, you know what, like, I actually... Well, there's two sides that I hear. Some are like, I don't have any symptoms on birth control. I feel completely fine and wonderful on birth control. That's one side. And I'm just curious what you have to say on that front. And then for those that are like, okay, well, I'm ready to maybe try to get off birth control and maybe do the test afterwards and see where my levels are. Now, what's the next step in things I can do to start balancing my body naturally? So I guess there are two questions there. Well, the people that feel fine on birth control aren't probably going to, you know, want to get off if they don't want to get pregnant, and that's that's that. Mm -hmm. And there are also doctors that will say, you know, the old school OBGYNs and different people will say there's no point in testing your hormones when you're on birth control because they're, you you know, you're just measuring hormones that are, they're not, it's not your true, it's not your true hormonal picture because these are under the influence of Mm -hmm. the contraception. But I take a different tack because I feel like if women do have symptoms with birth control and are miserable, which many, many women are because there's more than 77 side effects of different birth control, and they they may, some women want to know what does it look like, and we'll use that as our base, as my baseline. You know, what do my hormones look like when they're under the influence, and how do those hormones relate to the symptoms I'm experiencing. And that is one of the things that testing, to get back to one of your questions, Liz, is, you know, one of the things that testing tells us is it identifies hormone imbalances as they exist at this point in time, and it links them to the symptoms you're experiencing. So people who are having problems with birth control may want to know what that is. On the other side, some people are saying, you know, I really do want to go off birth control because I know it's good to give my body a break. I talked to a gal yesterday who's been on them since she was 12. Wow. And, you know, she's 29, and she knows she needs to get off them just to give her body a rest. Mm -hmm. And she has a whole raft of things. So if you... Once, you know, if you're thinking, I was going to go off them anyway, my boyfriend's okay with it, my husband's okay, we're going to try some other methods of birth control, natural, and then test, um, then it's a good idea to just be off the birth control for four to six weeks, and then you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. a washout period where you're going to get a true, a, a truer picture of what you're, you know, what, but you're still, if you've been on birth control for years, you're still going to get the effects of compromised levels having been on the birth control for so long. Mm-hmm. But it tells you something. You know, it makes, it, it really causes you to sit up and go, wow. And, and then also we test cortisol stress hormones, which are not affected by the birth control, except that the side effects the birth control creates, create stress in people. So, you know, they can, they can be really flatlined because people are so exhausted by all, their, by all the side effects. So there's two ways to go. You can test while you're on to see what what it looks like, what your levels look like under the influence, or you can get off, give your body a, a healthy break and a rest, and then test four to six weeks later. Interesting. So are there different paths that you would take in terms of moving forward? Like, let's say I test and I find I have low estrogen or I have low testosterone, testosterone. or cortisol or whatever it might be. Are there 
different paths that someone would take to fix different levels, like different lifestyle changes you would make for different hormones? Yes, there are. Um, when people test with me, my thing is, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of tests out there. But I worked for I was the director of education for ZRT Laboratories for about fifteen years, and ZRT was started by one of the early scientists who was into this, making saliva testing available to the mass market. Saliva testing was only available or used in scientific circles to test DNA or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he made it he made it available and he started testing. So I've been looking at test results and seeing the, you know, the kinds of issues that come up in in testing. And so for years we know what kinds of ill people are experiencing and the approach has to be natural. So let's take a woman who's had, this is another topic, take a woman who's had a hysterectomy. There are all too many hysterectomies out there that Mm -hmm. go on for reasons that probably could have been reversed if somebody realized they had a hormone imbalance. Mm -hmm. Heavy periods, Mm -hmm. fibroids, that's too much estrogen, not enough progesterone. But the doctor says, oh, you've got, you know, let's take it out. Let's take out your uterus. That woman is now... Now, some women leave their ovaries in and they think they're okay because their ovaries are still in. And they can be producing hormones for a while with their ovaries still in, having had a partial hysterectomy. But after a while, the uterine blood supply, which was removed with the removal of the uterus, causes those ovaries to become less efficient. And so they're making, they're not making much hormones for that person. A woman with a total hysterectomy needs she needs hormones. She needs to get on bioidentical, meaning natural versions of hormones, which are very much available now, have to be prescribed. European women have been using them forever. Bioidentical means identical structure and function to the hormones our own bodies make. Made mm. from plants, they're much more benign. So those people need to be prescribed some hormone. They need to be on certain vitamin supplements. I met, I talk about vitamin supplements that are crucial to supporting um, hormone balance. There, for younger women, there's something called Vitex, Safeberry, which is an herb, a natural herb that helps to regulate cycles. And it's a wonder. It's a wonder. I read that one. And just to go with what you were saying, after I got my hormone test done, you just give this wonderful like packet of information and things that you can do and the supplements and lifestyle and nutrition. And it's just so eye-opening and so wonderful. Yeah. It's because, you know, back to what I was talking about avoiding the hormones in food, that's one of the things that will be in the lifestyle section. Yeah. There will be things about how to turn on you know, turn off this for women that are not sleeping well at night because their hormones are so jacked up, they're always on. It's important to mention the effects of the blue light that comes off of our cell phones and our computers. So if you go to bed with that, you know, with your cell phone, you're probably not going to sleep very well. Mm-hmm. And when you don't sleep well, appetite hormones that operate on the sleep-wake cycle can become all upset, and then you find yourself being hungry all the time and having sugar cravings. So interconnected. So interconnected, yeah. all these knock-on effects. So that's why it isn't just about taking supplements or using, a, you know, progesterone as a natural bioidentical hormone that you could buy in whole foods. And many younger women need to use it to top up because they haven't been ovulating in ages and they need to bring that progesterone back in to replenish it to reverse estrogen dominance. So that's what we can identify in the testing. We can identify the ratio between these hormones. Are they in the right balance? And if they're not, we may suggest a natural hormone just a little bit. I'm talking Goldilocks doses Mm -hmm. where you're just using the amount your body would have made naturally, not too much, not too little, just right. Mm -hmm. And then we may be talking about B-complex. It is absolutely crucial to breaking blood sugar down. We will be talking about eating properly because, you know, some gals I've talked to, they have coffee in the morning and they don't eat again until three in the afternoon. There's no way you can keep your blood sugar stable with that kind of 
you know, non-eating habit. And right. some people are intermittently fasting. There's just, it's just a lot to, to address here. I know that my big thing was I had low progesterone, which was causing the estrogen dominant symptoms. And I can't, I mean, I've, and I think I emailed you about this after we like did the testing and I was looking through all the recommendations that I ended up seeing a naturopathic doctor just to get like a little bit more feedback on other things. And I was, I'm taking berberine, which I'm not sure if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's been, I think that's been helping, but again, like, I think it's just, you can't be in balance all the time. And I think that's, what's tricky is it's like, sometimes you have more stress in your life or things happen. And it's all about like, just trying to bring your body back to its happy place. Cause I know like, for example, now it's like, I'm breaking out. I've been having really bad cramps again. It's like, okay, well, but you've also started school. I know. Again recently, yeah. It's like so. I started school a month ago and it just could be a, mm-hmm. a plethora of things. Sometimes it's frustrating because like, I'm trying to do everything right, you know, and then you still are struggling. Well, I think, you know, the action plan that I send has all the basics. It's kind of the fundamentals of staying in balance. And yeah. so you have to go back through and see, okay, have I started drinking caffeine again? Am I, you know, not getting enough sleep? And it just does seem like I just moved, and it has been absolute chaos. We moved to a hillside. We're remodeling this modular home before we build something, and it's just the place is the construction zone, and I, I'm hardly, I, I am forgetting to take my vitamins. I can't eat regularly. The place just, you know, so it, it's sort of, it's, Times like this, I find that I'm going to bed earlier. So I'm getting more sleep. There's always something you have to do to compensate. Yeah, that makes so much you know, sense. I'm going into town and making sure that I get my swim in so that I can de-stress anything that, you know, relaxes um, tension held in the muscles. is going to lower those cortisol stress levels. So, yeah. you know, being aware of, okay, I'm not eating right, but i got to get, you know, some almonds or a string cheese, something in me every few hours so I keep my blood sugar stable. Mm-hmm. It's just little things that you, you learn you, you must do or everything just goes south. And I would say, you know, if you continue to have breakouts and, um, you know, heavy periods again, it sounds, you know, I, I would, you, you might want to, re you know, I always tell people retest in a few months and see if what you're doing is making enough of a change and improvement. Because this, the first test is, you know, if people say oh, it's just a snapshot in time, well, you test on a typical day and it's, it's going to give you a snapshot of what's pretty much, you know, a random typical day of your hormone levels and you can use that as a baseline. And, you know, you shouldn't be, if, if your hormones are way high or way low, that's a picture you want to be aware of so that you can take steps to you know, and no, nobody's ever in balance all the time, and life is stressful, and that's why it's so important to become aware of this stuff. Back to why test, because this is another. You know, if you have, it's so typical to go get a thyroid test, or you know, we test all the time for thyroid or diabetes or any one of these things, but we don't test our hormones. And they're just controlling our moods, our memory, everything. our libido, our strength, everything. Wow. So it's just another, you know, it's just more information when you're seeking answers and you really want to be a healthy person and you want to feel good, your best, you, you do it and you keep making adjustments. And, you know, I used to test every three months and now I test probably once a year. I've got myself to a place where I feel pretty good. You know, what I do and what's working for me is, is working for me. And that's how it goes. It doesn't have to, you don't have to become a testing junkie right? by any means. I think I will end up retesting actually here soon because um, I forget how many months ago it's been now that I did the first test. You were so excited. Look. I remember oh you're like, stoked. I can't wait. I think I'm going to get my test results. Well, now. it had just been so long <laughs> that I'd been so tired of going to my gynecologist and going to my doctor and getting the same answers when I knew like intuitively that the medicine wasn't my answer. Like it just wasn't. And so when I heard you on the podcast, I was like, "Uh, this is it. Like when Kelly told me, I was like, I'm doing it. And you know, and and what I can do is really just my whole thing is as a health educator is let's get you tested. I can talk on the phone with you for 50 minutes Mm -hmm. and discuss with you what these test results mean 
how they relate to how you're feeling, what these hormones do. And then, you know, it's perfectly great to go find a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor to work with, you know, to, to take a, a naturopath may say, hey, you're too young to have to use any sort of hormone. Let's use put you on Berberine or, or Vitex or, you know, to, to be able to work with someone is, is a great thing, you know, because there are so many changes. But I, my feeling is, like I said, there's not enough, there are not enough people. This should be a routine test. This should be, 100%. we should all be mm-hmm. routinely tested to make sure we should not be routinely put on, you know, hormone imbalance is not an anxiety. Uh, it's not a Viagra deficiency or, a, mm-hmm. you know, an anxiety, an antidepressant deficiency. It's an imbalance. And we're put on these drugs that have nothing to do with the imbalance. So that's my thing. It's like, let's find out where you're at. Let me help you explain and turn you over to someone in your community that you can work with. But it's a start. And it's really important. In fact, I wanted to offer your listeners, you go to my website, uh, yourhomeimbalance.com, and you check out the this order of test kit and consult. There's a list of the different packages I offer, and I'd be happy to offer 10% Oh discount gosh. on any of those packages to oh, anyone who just, they just need to email me and say, I heard you on Wine and Shine. and That's amazing. I'd love to do that. It's actually my email. I have to give you my email so that people yeah. can email me to say I listened. It's Candace B. Well, Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E-B-E-Well at Gmail. We'll definitely link that in the show notes yeah, for them too. I know. Your way. I know we will have a lot of listeners that will be interested. All, I'm interested. Yeah. Like I'm gonna get done and be like, "Hey, Candace, just, <laughs> just talk, talk to you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it's news you can use. That's how I see it. Yeah, and again, like I just think one of the biggest pieces of information out of all of this that I really picked up again as a reminder is like if you're having symptoms. Don't just push them aside as like, oh, this is just normal part of being a female. Or I know like, for example, like our moms are going through, my mom is in menopause, you know, and she actually has had quite a few issues. Like if Mm -hmm. she's listening to this right now with like endometriosis and your mom's going through things. My mother-in-law has hot flashes all the time. It's like these things. They don't stop. They're not like. Yeah. And it's time to be proactive. And it's not just something you have to deal with as as going through menopause or girls that are our age, like you don't have to have terrible cramps every month. You don't have to be fatigued. You don't have to have chin acne. There are things we can do and there are tests for you to figure out what your body needs. Right. Yes, that's right. And I mean, some of those symptoms, you know, they used to say you need to know the seven warning signs of cancer. Good to know the warning signs of hormone imbalance. And women who are your mother's age, you know, as women get older, they they stop ovulating. They tend to become estrogen dominant. So lots of growth, lots of over, you know, excess surplus weight, which is a big, big risk for breast cancer down the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, as we get older and we're in menopause, it's really important to know what these levels are doing because they can be putting us at risk for, for disease down the road. And, and so it's, it's really about quality of life and length of life, health, you know, feeling healthy while you're living and then also preventing um, preventable disease. I think that's, that's huge in this conversation as well. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to all of our listeners. Again, this is my absolute favorite topic. I feel like I could talk to you. I have so many more questions, like, in my mind. Like, I could talk to you for hours. I just need to have, like, coffee dates with people just so I can talk my hormone questions with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can have another one. We can talk about how your your podcast is called Wine and Shine. Yeah. And I have a... I have a blog that I wrote about the benefits of red wine in particular. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> it's not women, women and wine. Sometimes we need that wine to get through all the symptoms, but not, you know, not again, in, Goldie, in Goldilocks <laughs> amounts. Yeah. The best way to go. Oh my gosh. But that's no, so thanks wonderful. Thanks for having me. That's fun. It's fun to talk about this. I, I always uh, surprise myself how excited I get to, 
try to explain it. It's oh just endless. Me too. <laughs> I get it's really excited talking about it. As I like well. didn't say anything because I was so intrigued and learning. I was like, "Wow, this is fascinating," and I was just like lost in the explanation of things that I never knew anything about. So. And I'm just gonna put a plug in there for the Women Code. If anybody hasn't read that yet, I know I've probably talked about it like three times, but it says a lot of what you've been talking about. And it's just a really good book about hormone balance and our periods and fertility and all of that libido, everything. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Is that the one by Kelly Lebeck? No, Woman Code is by Aditi Aviti. I'm going to have to look it up and I'll tell you guys at the end episode when I figure out her full name. Um, but it's called Woman Code. And then the other one is Kelly Levesque and it's called Body Love. And it's mostly about balancing like your blood sugar and eating to balance your hormones. And it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds good. Sounds really, yeah. I, whatever, whatever. I have some favorite books that I also list in my um, action plan. I, I really like The Hormone Cure by Sarah Gottfried. There are, yeah, there are lots of great books out there. And actually, when you start reading, you start to think, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. This is, there's known information about this. It makes you feel like you're not. But still, so many women feel like, am I the only person dealing with this? Because I don't think women talk about this enough with each other. So right. that's why it's great to have a, a great convo on a podcast. It's, podcasts are like great conversations. And, and I think they're hugely enjoyable and hugely informative. So mm-hmm. I hope your listeners you know, learn a lot from this and I'd love to hear from some of them and we'll just keep this conversation going. Sounds good to us. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. You're more than welcome. All right. Well, a big thank you again to Candace on seriously the, maybe the most informative podcast episode we've ever had. Like, Mind blown, Mm -hmm. going to check into this, feeling like I have all the symptoms of hormone imbalance and feel very... (laughs) um, Check and check and check. Okay. That was what I didn't want to say in the whole episode. I was like, I have all these things. (laughs) I was like, I've had all of these things and I have less of them now, but still some of them. Yeah. And thanks again, Candice, for offering our listeners 10% off of your testing package. That's such a wonderful gift to those of you that were listening and interested in doing the test yourself. We have that link in the show notes. And please head on over to her website at yourhormonebalance.com. She writes some wonderful blogs on there. You can get all of the information on her testing and on Candice herself. And all of her articles are there as well. Now, we have two very important announcements. And I know this is where listeners usually go, mm, nope, I'm done. I've gotten everything. Please keep listening. These are important. First of all, we are coming out with a weekly e-newsletter because you just can't get enough of us, can you? We know. So our e-newsletter is going to have the link to our newest episode. It'll also have our blog, which again, thank you to our wonderful intern, Gretchen, Gretchen. for getting that content up. It is (laughs) G-Wretch. We don't want to call it our wretch. Sorry. Gretchen, I didn't mean that. It just sounded cool in my head. Um, anyway. But it'll have Gretchen's or ours if we write them soon. Yes. The latest blog on Wine and Shine. And we'll also have some additional information that you don't get on either the podcast or the blog or even social media. So that's incentive for you to go sign up on our website, wineandshinepodcast.com. You'll see we've made some changes there, so feel free to check them out. Number two, um, we have a community just for you. Mm-hmm. It on is, Facebook. Yep. It is the Wine and Shiners Facebook page. So if you just go to Facebook.com and search Wine and Shiners, you will find us. We like to post cool articles we see or get guests talking about conversations. In fact, one of our guests suggested having someone on to talk about friendship. Which we are. Yep. And we're like, cool. Thanks for letting us know. And now we have a friendship expert in a couple weeks coming on. So it's a great place to meet other people that listen to the show. Ask your ask your questions, share articles, share videos, um, and also share, like, if you have a blog or if you have an Instagram, like... A, Please share that with us. We would love to follow you. We would love to see what you're up to as well. So head over to Facebook and look up the Wine and Shiners. We would love to add you to the group. All right. That's it for important announcements, but they were important. And we hope you stayed tuned to listen. And we will see you guys next week. Cheers. Bye.